This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play back in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Friday, May 22nd, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a man who names his cars after important BYU administration, Jerem Jordan. Perhaps one day, uh, but at underscore Scosgrove named his car after Kevin J. Worthen. He calls it Kevin J. Swervin. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. What kind of car is that? Subaru or something? I think it's a white <laughs> Subaru Outback. Yeah. Kevin J. Swervin. That's not the car I think of when I think of Kevin J. Swervin. <laughs> but here we are. Didn't uh, Vice President Richardson drive around in an Audi R8? See, that's what came to mind when I was thinking of Kevin, of J. Kevin Swervin, J. Swervin. The BYU Audi R8. That'd be more appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I need to name my car after a BYU figure. Yeah. My mind's racing, but I had to, <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> but I still haven't come up with one. Here's your fabulous Friday show lineup. I... Can't believe I'm about to say this. We have time for Dennis Pitta. Wait, why? He's been on the show like three times since we started saying we have no time for him. I don't know how much time. The producers finally made time for him. I am like, let's get Dennis on. He's great. Uh, He has wonderful things to say. Amazing player. And the producer's like, no. But today, hi. But we have time for Dennis today, which is great. I don't know how much time. We'll maybe find maybe out. like 90 seconds. But he will join the show. Who was the best to ever wear number 16 at Brigham Young University? That's halfway to 32. A number of Dennis Pitta. <laughs> He's not going to win 32. And James Taffordette. And you can only keep three BYU logos, so which three are you going with? That said, I'll see any three logos and raise you four headlines on a Friday. Jim Fredette's team, Panathinaikos, was named the Greek League champion yesterday in a 13-to-1 vote. Who didn't vote? Woo! This is Fredette's first season championship. He averaged almost 13 points and three assists a game. In Greek League play, there is a conversation about what's next in terms of EuroLeague and if they're going to name a champ there because it doesn't appear that they're going to continue to play. Perhaps they're going to try, but we'll see. Maybe you can't vote for your own team. So the one vote was Panathinaikos. Maybe it was Panathinaikos. BYU Baseball inks a new high-level commitment from Cooper Vest, the Gatorade Player of the Year in Utah. This is becoming a common theme for Mike Littlewood and the Cougars. They have signed eight straight Gatorade Players of the Year in the Beehive State. Nice. Vest, a left-handed pitcher and outfielder, played for the Dixie Flyers in St. George, led his team to three straight state championship appearances, one back-to-back in 2017 and 18. He finished his shortened season with a record of 6-1, and one, including, listen to this, Jerem, a 20-strikeout game on March 12th. Okay. That was high school. March 12th. That was the day. Kind of the last the day. day. Yeah. What a way to go out. 20 strikeouts. And he can swing it, too. Batted 479 in 2019. Wow, that's awesome. Mickey Ahianen of BYU Volleyball is named to the 2020 Cosada Academic All-District Men's At-Large Team yesterday after finishing with a 4-0 GPA in computer science. Why is he on the at-large and not the regular team with the 4-0? I have no idea. In computer science. I don't get riled up about academic stuff typically, but right now I'm thinking, wait, what? 
It's just before all. How is he not just straight up on that team? We have more of that. Junior swimmer Ryan Sorensen named to the Coastside Academic All-District 8 at-large team yesterday. Sorensen, a biophysics major with a 3.94 GPA. A 3.94 in biophysics. Who's the, who's the teacher that gave him an A-minus? I want to know. Come on. Or two of them? He's also an academic All-MPSF honoree and holds the number two time in BYU program history in the 100 breaststroke. Oh, the student earns their grade, says the teacher. <laughs> That's what I was told about. It's that simple, right? No. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. It's time to discuss prestige on a Friday. Our friends at Pick 6 Previews released a stat earlier this week profiling the college football programs with the most 9-plus win seasons since 1962. Nebraska topped that list with 48. BYU comes in at number 17 on the list with 24 9-plus win seasons. However, BYU's had just three nine-plus win seasons in the last 10 years. And schedules aren't getting any easier. So, Jerem, when is BYU's best shot at another nine-plus win season, giving the approaching challenging schedules? It's hard to know exactly because how good is BYU going to be? What injuries are they not or will have? uh, Weather on that day, da-da-da. But let's just postulate for a minute based on the schedules. Okay, to me, you have to look at the first four games. That's where the issue lies to me, in the scheduling of BYU. BYU just comes out of the gates, and it's just hard to overcome a slow start because of the difficulty of some of these schedules. BYU's gone 3-1 and one or 4-0 and oh in three of the nine or two of the nine seasons in Independence. That's the kind of start that will help you get to nine-plus wins. You don't have to. 06 and 07 started 1-2. and two. They were able to get you know 11 wins, which is notable, but that's in the Mountain West, and that's with two of the top 12 quarterbacks in BYU history at, at the reins of those teams, right? Um, in 2014, BYU played two Power Fives. In 2018, BYU played three. So it wasn't, they weren't playing four like they do now. They played an FCS team to get three and one and ranked. Um, BYU struggled in the first four, uh, which brings us to an early stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. It was 19 and 17 in the first four games of Independence in nine seasons. So BYU's about a 500 team. They're generally going two and two. So to answer your question, it depends on how many Power Fives there are. Because to me, that's where it starts. So 2020, there are six, four on the road. That's not going to be it. 21, there are seven. Uh, whoa, three on. Uh, 2022 is my year. 2022 is my year. Four. There are two on the road. Okay. I think that's the year. Three home games in the first four, first two weeks, right? Now we're power fives, Baylor, then at Oregon, then Wyoming and Utah State. That's that's a three-and-one type start, right? And now you've got a real shot uh, to to get to nine wins at some point in that. And there are ten games scheduled, two more. So if there are two more power fives on this, perhaps I change my mind. But there are ten games scheduled in 2022. I think that's the year. I, I just think it's really tough to get out of the gates. And I, I to your point about group of fives, being the real issue, I I agree that that's a massive issue. I just think if BYU was able to start better and not just be sprinting uphill from the beginning, perhaps later in the schedule they are more able to handle the group of fives. Yeah, I mean, there's something to that for sure. How beat up are you when you come out of the gauntlet out of the gate? It's, it's rough. <laughs> there's no way around it. But as much as I like your 2022 postulation – 
I'm going to go 2021, Jerem. And, and I know what you're thinking. Seven Power Five opponents in 2020. Are you crazy, Spencer? No, I'm not. And as you pointed out just a moment ago, Jerem, and as I have mentioned several times recently on the show, it's not the number of Power Five opponents that worry me because BYU recently seems to play at a different level against Power Five. It's been the games that BYU is supposed to win that worry me. Over the last three seasons, and I hate every time I bring up this stat, BYU is 11-12 and 12 against Group of Five teams. They have a losing record against Group of Five teams over the last three seasons. That is hard to stomach. And what does BYU do against Power Five teams historically? They win 40%. In fact, over the last two years, it's been higher than that. It's been closer to 50%. Also in 20- Yay, half. It's, it's essentially the so, same number as the Group of Fives. So if you sign up for seven... You're going three and four. Okay, maybe four and three, depending on which power fives. And maybe two and, and maybe where, two and five. And where they are. Yeah. Also, BYU's going to have a senior quarterback in Zach Wilson. At least I think he will be the senior starter in 2021. And that typically makes a difference. 2011, Riley Nelson, 10 wins. 2016, Taysom Hill, BYU finishes with nine wins. I think Zach Wilson's going to lead BYU to nine Tanner plus Mangum. wins. 2018, Tanner Mangum didn't work hey, Tanner out Mangum is the exception, for sure. Brandon Doman, senior year. Cougars go nuts. John Beck, senior year. Cougars go nuts. Max Hall, senior are, year, 11-2. and two. Those are three of the top 15 quarterbacks of all time here. Who's, we, saying Zach Wilson, Zach, who's saying Zach Wilson won't be by the time he's done here? We don't know. He could be, but he has a large hill to climb, and that hill is higher than any of the other quarterbacks had to climb in terms of strength of schedule. Okay, upperclassman John Walsh even in 1994. He was yeah, a junior. No, no doubt it helps. It's just not automatic. No, but I'm saying it helps. So that's why I like 2021. It, we, it, I think it's pretty logical to think that a senior would be better than, say, a freshman or something. Yes. Only And not all Power Fives are created equal. Who are they, and where do you play them, and when do you play them? Uh, only one of the Power Five teams on the 2021 schedule is a traditional world beater, USC. And BYU plays in L.A. in 2021, and it's late in the season. But I feel like every other Power Five game that season is favorable and winnable. BYU will open that season against Arizona at Allegiant Stadium, the home of the Raiders. Well, we'll see. Okay, we hope. <laughs> they got to finish the construction. BYU's had success against Arizona recently. And oh, I, Las yeah. Vegas is home away from home for BYU. I ain't scared of Arizona. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the quantity that's the issue. Okay, Utah at home. Arizona State at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Okay, so there are three Power Fives to open up, but then BYU plays three group of five teams. So there is balance to the 2021 schedule. Cougars play at Baylor. Who knows what in the world Baylor's going to be in October of 2021. Then they play at Washington State, which doesn't have Mike Leach anymore. They are not. They have Nick Rolovich. Who knows? Maybe he'll be back. <laughs> then BYU is set to host Bronco Mendenhall and Virginia on October 30th. He doesn't want to play. He that doesn't game. want to play against. So much. we'll see before ending at USC. So I like the balance. I like the fact that BYU is going to have a senior quarterback, and these are not incredibly difficult power five teams historically we don't know what's going to happen right then the 40 percent number that's taken into account all that like balance the great ones the bad ones BYU still only wins 40 percent so right the, but typically the BYU more you has, schedule the more losses you're signing up but historically BYU has played more of the power five games on the road than they have at home and they have a majority at home in 2021 BYU has been better on the road recently than at home <laughs> in, against power fives <laughs> like that's, that's not good yeah i <sighs> 
It's just tough. I just want to win. I just want to win. Let's go. Topic two. Cougar Hoops continues to evolve and change, becoming a top 25 program last year for the first time in nine seasons with the help of some transfers, guys like Alex Barcelo and Jake Toulson. Now Matt Harms is coming from Purdue to BYU, hopefully some other guys, right? Will transfers be the key, Spencer, to BYU staying a tourney-type team? Yes, absolutely. Because of the way that BYU is set up, Mark Pope is brilliant to go after transfers in just a very, very aggressive fashion. This is the way. (laughs) This is the way. Yes. BYU got Jake Toulson. BYU got Alex Barcelo. They got Matt Harms. Hopefully BYU got Richard Harward. They got Wyatt Lowell. They got Gideon George. And you should hear Mark Pope talk about Richard Harward. It's he is very excited yes. about Richard Harward. Yeah. Transfers are the way for BYU um, based on the unique setup for the Cougars. The honor code is always going to be a tough situation to sell a high-star freshman on. But who's not maybe – there are those that are a great fit. But there are those that maybe it's not as great a fit for as long. So what if, yeah, what if BYU is an upperclassman transfer destination? Outstanding. For example, like Alex Barcel, it's like, hey, you're here for two years, right? Because let's be honest, not, if, if I'm not a member of the church and I, I don't have all these standards, like what if I just drink coffee normally? I'm asked not to even drink coffee, let alone beer and premarital sex stuff, right? Okay, and, you, so, and if you, as a freshman, you can do that for four years compared to right. so, a shortened amount so, of time so, as a transfer. So maybe grad transfers, maybe upperclassman transfers are the way. JC got like we're not talking. Well, I think there's uh, you need a good mix. If you're always completely relying on homegrown LDS localish talent, like I don't think BYU is going to be a turning team very often, if at all. We had the low pick three thing. We thought this was going to be the big time. This was going to be as good as BYU would ever be. We thought a final four was possible. Three dudes in the top 100 that are down the street, 24 minutes uh, up to Alpine. It didn't work out in that situation. I don't think that that means it will never work out again in a similar situation, but I like the hodgepodge of guys that you can bring together and then make great culture. They all have a similar ideology, and you go from there. This last year was interesting. You did have a lot of LDS kids from the region help with this. So I think that as you add other people from other spots, perhaps that can increase the abilities and the diversity of the group. Because you get a different type of player sometimes yeah. that maybe isn't in Utah County per se, right? Gideon George from Africa, where Nigeria specifically. I'm trying to remember. Was that where he was from? Yes, I believe so. He, like he provides a different type of player, which is great. I would love to have different types of players. Seven foot three, uh, Matt Harms from Europe, right? Like look at look at the international flavor now. Style of play, different ideology, different culture, on and off the court. I love that idea. I think that that's really important. Yet you need the LDS kid from Pocatello, Connor Harding, who's the state player of the year, and Colby Lee, Gatorade player of the year as well, and Alex Barcelo, who grew up with a bunch of friends who were LDS as well in Arizona. Like, he fits here. Here's what a transfer does for BYU. It is the secret ingredient. BYU will have a good team for, I feel like, the rest of her. Like, they'll be the, good. They'll win they'll 18 games yes. every year minimum, yes. even if it's a bad year. But a transfer is that secret ingredient that's going to put your product on the shelves in grocery stores that's going to make you next level. It's going to take your retail to the next level. Is Matt Harms enough this year as a secret ingredient? Because last year it was a combination of Jake Toulson and getting Yoli Childs to come back combined with Alex Barcelo coming in. So there were a few missing ingredients. 
I think BYU has one more. They need one more ingredient to this year's squad, and it's a scorer at the guard line, a shooter. And I know I, it's ad nauseum. We've been talking well, about it forever. You want combo guard too, right? Yeah, you maybe. You want ball handler who yes. can score? Yeah, somebody who, that can spell Who do Alex we want Barcella. that can't score? We're like, we need a non-score. No, combo they, guard. we always want him to score. No question. Yeah. That's the missing ingredient. And transfers allow you to do that. It's like, hey, we've got like this pretty good mix. And like, we could make it now, and it'd be pretty good. It'd be like a pretty good tasting chocolate chip cookie. But if we can get this missing ingredient, then we're eating crumble cookie or we're eating. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, sorry, that, that, sorry. Hey, that was free. Wait, sorry, you gotta, sorry. You got to pay for that. We're eating uh, said high-level cookie that you can buy at a shop. Let me tell you something that the academic department doesn't want me to tell you. Okay, you ready for this? Transfers aren't coming here to get the diploma per se. They, yes, they are, but they're coming to play ball. Like, you could have a four-year dude who's like, okay, I want both. I know that transfers come here and they get an amazing experience academically as well, but they're coming with a basketball mentality. Or football. Or football, or any other sport for that matter. But, like, they're coming to play ball because guess what? You're not paid to go to class if you're an athlete here per se. You are, but you're paid first to perform in your sport and hopefully you do well in the classroom because guess what? The majority of those people aren't going to succeed athletically after this. They're going to need that degree. So I'm not trying to dog in the athletic department or the academic part. I'm just saying transfers come in and their mindset is I'm here to play right away and contribute. It's a little different for a freshman who goes, okay, I'll ease into it. Maybe I'm a red shirt. Maybe I'm just a bench player. A tra- like Gideon George is not coming to sit on the bench. He's coming, coming to, to score 12 a game yeah. and grab six boards right away. This is the way. And by the way, last time BYU made the NCAA tournament, 2015, they had a key transfer in the mix. His name was Chase Fisher. Upperclassman transfer. <laughs> Upperclassman transfer. Come on. Okay. It, we, it's, just, it's a we, deal. We just okay? something today. All right. Our question of the day, going to BYU logos, because apparently everyone's doing the you can only pick three. Or what's the first thing you think of when you see this? Those are the two things that have been trending across social media. Yeah. We have gone with pick three, and we have nine – very popular and distinguished logos from BYU's history up available to pick. So, uh, with one through nine... Are we going to show those for the people? It's time to hear from you, BYU Sports Nation, and go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, let's bring the nine back up. At number one, we had the cougar on the mountain, but there's some tan With involved the tan, there, Jim. Yeah. Okay, that, that was a prominent logo, early 2000s. Number two is the BYU Beat Digger. That's Three, my favorite. Sailor Coog. Number four is I have no idea what to call it. It's the hodgepodge like mix-up of... minor thing? It reminds me of the Bingham logo. A little bit, yeah. yes. Okay. Five is the block Y. Six is the stretch Y. Seven is the stretch cougar face. <laughs> stretch cougar face? <laughs> I love it. Eight's the Cougar Club logo from, yeah. like... 1983 and nine is I think t- even earlier, right? Is kind of a mix between the stretch and block Y with the It's the beat digger block. Cougar what? digging over. Yeah, the, yeah. the beat digger block. Yeah. So what what uh we'll name our three later yes. in the show. Yes. But uh at uh BYU underscore jur ninety eight on Instagram. Two three six. So he likes the stretch Y, the Sailor Coog, and the uh Beat Digger. Beat digger. Uh, the rest are good attempts by a first or second year marketing student. <laughs> Nelson Abbott on Facebook. Two, that's the beat digger, because it was a logo when we were national champions. Three, because it look, is cool. That's Sailor Cook. And six, uh, that's Stretch Y, as it permanently motive into my 
front lawn is most recognized. Okay. The stretch Y. Most recognized. Okay, now, to be clear, the stretch Y is the primary logo right now, and the Sailor Coog is one of the alternate. alternate. Yeah, an alternate right now. Although some of the others are used at times, unless they have tan, because those are of the devil. <laughs> Coming up, the best to wear number 16. <laughs> And we have time for Dennis Pitta. I repeat, we have time for Dennis Pitta. This is BYU Sports Nation. Dennis. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest voiceover with Greg and Shab, the guys visit with CBS Sports and NFL Network broadcaster Charles Davis about his new game day assignment, how the league's handling COVID-19, and Kalani Sataki and BYU's ability to produce NFL players. I've known Coach Sataki for a while. I remember when he was back as an assistant coach at a couple of places. So I'm always rooting for him. But I think that that turnover and that NFL experience will start to happen more and more as we go on. Watch the whole show on the BYU TV Sports YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and IG accounts. Welcome back to Studio B on a Friday. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan, and I cannot even begin to explain how unbelievably ecstatic I am to announce that we have time yeah. for Dennis Pitta today. Producers, it's not me. Everyone thinks it's me. On the Deseret First Credit Union hotline via Zoom, Dennis, welcome, my friend, back to BYU Sports Nation. Thank you, guys. It's good to be here. Jerem, it's definitely you. That's, that's the <laughs> issue. Uh, the truth. Uh, are We're all you... out of lockdown. I appreciate you guys yeah. allowing me to come out of quarantine and join your show. <laughs> well, it took two months, but yeah. Um, the, the, hair is, the hair is flowing nicely. The interior design looks excellent in your room. Are you kind of showing off that room? Or are you, is that yeah, the this, point here? <laughs> you're getting a very rare glimpse at my bedroom, actually. It's one of the only places that I can lock my kids out. <laughs> quiet for a little bit of time to talk to you guys i um i've been yearning for some mature conversation i i know i won't get it on this show out of youtube but um you know we can hope yeah yeah you, you know you you knew what we were when you picked us up yes right That's, yeah so let us continue with exactly this what you are, yeah yeah let us continue with this childish conversation okay dennis we were just talking about byu logos um and we've been asking byu fans to choose this three. is where we're at on may 22nd uh-huh. we're talking about logos yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. really you're really digging deep for anything right? to talk about. <laughs> right. What's your favorite BYU logo and why? Do I have, like, do you have a graphic I can look at? Like, yeah, like, yeah. we'll, we'll throw up a graphic. Yeah. No, I, I um, the one that's, that's over Jerem's shoulder there, it's sideways. What's that one? The, the Sailor, Sailor Coog. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good one. That's kind of like brings back a little bit of retro vibe. Okay, here we go. I see it now. Yeah, what do you, what do you like here? Yeah, so one and, and you lived in the tan me. era too. You played in the tan era. I was the final. Uh, my freshman year was the final tan era jersey. Those were bad, though. I look back at those. We we weren't as terrible as the white bib jersey. Yeah, all they time. They graduated bad. from the white bib to more of like a solid front, but they were still really, really ugly jerseys. But. I really like number two. I kind of like the retro. I, I'm I'm into retro right now. So two's kind of got a retro vibe. I like three a lot. Six, I guess, is what our current logo is. That's, it's fine. It doesn't really do a whole lot for me. Five reminds me of Yale, so I can't really go that route. Okay. Uh, three, two and three for me. I really like those. I kind of. Yeah. Okay. That's, the Beat Digger that's and, the, and the Sailor Coog. 
And uh, not surprisingly, uh, it kind of feels like that's the majority of responses. A, a lot of our fans, in. yeah, that's yeah. that's where they're at, which is awesome. Um, Wait, number two is called the beat digger. The yeah, beat digger, like he's digging up a bit. That's what, I don't understand it either, but I don't know beats <laughs> and yeah. Jordan wasn't a school that I yeah. Anyway, so cougars, uh, I didn't know cougars search for beats. I didn't know that, yeah, that was a man like. search for beat digger. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we've been doing the best to wear it. Um, we had Max Hall versus Taylor Sander yesterday. I think I know what your opinion would be on that one. But when 32 comes up, do you feel like Taylor you have Sanders, an argument but... against Jimmer? Um, because I yeah, do not. So I'm going I'm to square off against Jimmer, which is going to be an interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't like uh, my odds in that, in that matchup. Now, I, I will say... I think Jimmer chose number 32 because of me, so I should get some credit for that. Oh, interesting. <laughs> We're going to have to check that, but yeah. You can ask him about that. that. That's at least what I tell people. Oh, yeah, Jimmer. Yeah, he's a big fan of mine. He chose yeah. 32 because I was 32. Yeah, no one else is worth 32. Only one of yeah, you right. caught a touchdown in a Super Bowl, Dennis. That's True. a very, good, that's a very now, good argument. Now, that's with number 88. Why, why were you 88 on the Ravens? And who was 32? Well, the NFL, you cannot be whatever number you want to be. College, you can be any number. The NFL, if you're a tight end, you have to be in the 80s or you have to be in the 40s. And I hate 40 numbers. I don't want to be 44 <laughs> and look like a fullback. And... <laughs> so I had to be in the 80s. And, and to be honest, they assigned me 88. I could have changed it when I got there. But when I first got there, I was 88. And I was like, oh, I, I like 88. I could stick with that. I mean, it wouldn't have been my first choice. I'm not an 80 numbers guy. I've been 32 pretty much since I remember all through high school at BYU. Actually, my freshman year, I got to BYU. You know, I, I had the whole walk-on story, so nobody knew who I was. They gave me number 91 my first year. <laughs> Isn't that when like, Croton called you the wrong name? I'm a tight end. I'm not a defensive lineman. <laughs> but I wore 91, like, through spring ball all the way until we got to the 2004 season. And I went up, I think, to Coach Croton in his office, and I said, listen, like, I can't be 91. Like, I just can't feel good about myself in 91 and even play at any kind of a high level wearing a defensive lineman number. And so they shift some stuff around. I was able to go to 88. So I was actually number 88 for the season my freshman year. Hmm. So when I went back to the Ravens and they had 88, I was like, ah, oh, that's cool. I'll, I'll go back to that number. Hey, Andrew George number, right? You're, you're running mate at tight end. Not bad. Uh, what, was, yeah. what did Gary Croton call you again? He called you the wrong name or something? Yeah, so Gary Croton called me Dustin on several occasions. <laughs> <laughs> There's spring ball. What's funny is I was just actually talking to John Beck the other day about when I first got to BYU. And I, I, I actually just spoke. Coach Grimes had uh, me come on and talk to the BYU offense via Zoom just like this. And um, I told this story. He wanted me to tell my walk-on story a little bit. And so I told this story that John Beck relayed to me when he when I first got to BYU. We were out. It's like winter workout, so there can't be any coaches. It's just player-run practices, and you're doing, like, seven-on-seven throwing routes and stuff like that. And I I must have somehow snuck into the first group because I was, like, a wide receiver at the time, and nobody knew who I was. Somehow I was in, the like, the first group with John Beck, who was the starting quarterback, and he threw me a couple balls. I remember catching a deep ball down the sideline. Anyways, and and John, after the practice, went up to Coach Croton's office, and they would sit – you know, once a day or every other day, and Croton would always ask him, so who who looks good out there? Like, who's kind of standing out? And John said, after that day, he went up, and he said, listen, there's this kid 
uh, kind of a tall kid receiver. I think his name is Dennis. He looked pretty good out there today. And Coach Croton replied to him, John, we have nobody on the team named Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> and so John's like, no, I asked him his name, and he said it was Dennis. So I don't know. And Croton's just like, John, we have nobody on the team like that. I don't know what you're talking about. Fast forward, we're into spring ball, and Coach Croton still doesn't know my name's Dennis. He's calling me Dustin. <laughs> so that was my start at BYU from humble beginning. You don't get it. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you, you number fed, 91, Dustin, get over nice here. Dustin Pitta was right. way better than Dennis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dennis Pitta. Great stuff. That's an outstanding story. Uh, okay, speaking of John Beck, he's been working closely with Zach Wilson, even through this, uh, these quarantine measures and hanging out in Southern California. Uh, why do you think that Zach Wilson, coached by John Beck in the offseason, is ready for a breakout season in 2020? Well, listen, ironically enough, I just talked to John last night. He called me, and we were talking about something else. Um, and I don't even remember how Zach Wilson got brought up. But he started telling me about Zach Wilson. And he's like, Dennis, Zach? Or he said, Dustin, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> no, John knows my name. He called me Dennis. He said, Zach looks awesome. He's big. He's athletic. He's throwing the ball so well right now. And, you know, they haven't been able to do practices and all that with the team, obviously, because of the circumstances that we're all seeing. But um, he's been able to do these private workouts with John, and, and John just was raving about him, completely unwarranted. You know, I didn't ask him anything about Zach. He just kind of went in and started telling me about him. And he was like, they are incredibly excited about what the potential is for this offense because of how good Zach looks and how hard he's kind of worked through this past off season. And, and he said, just from a mental standpoint, his ability to break down film and all that, he just has such an advantage. John was even telling me from, from back when he was playing quarterback at BYU, he's like, he's light years ahead from a mental standpoint of understanding the game and know where to go with the football and all that. And then just his, his arm talent now and, and him being healthy for a full year and, and everything that he just said, he, I mean, he was raving about him. And so I said, John, settle down. Okay. He's just, just a guy. Do you want to date him or what? I mean, and, uh, but no, he, I mean, just a glowing review. And so I obviously haven't been able to see him, see any of Zach personally, but just hearing what, what John had to say and then the guys that are working closely with him right now, I think we should all be pretty excited. And I think there's not going to be any doubt that Zach will be the guy um, heading into the season. Yeah, and as an upperclassman, it's like, okay, let's make the jump, right? Let's let's take it up a notch. Let's finish with this. I always love hearing stories from uh, you know past players. So let's go to 09 Oklahoma. Let's go to the final drive. You guys call two plays, a third down and a fourth down that you end up catching and converting and getting you know twenty plus yards on. Recount kind of what happened in that sequence to lead to one of the biggest wins in BYU history. Yeah. Um, so I'll preface this story by saying on the bus ride to the stadium. Before the game, we were sitting with McKay Jacobson, and McKay was was dating this girl, and um, we said, McKay, if you catch a game-winning touchdown in this game, I'm not even joking, this conversation happened. If you catch a game-winning touchdown in this game, you have to propose to your girlfriend. <laughs> and lo and behold, that drive that you're talking about ended with the McKay Jacobson touchdown in the end zone. 
And so like, that's all, when that touchdown happened, we were like jumping up and down, celebrating with him. And we just kept yelling at him, you have to propose. You got to propose. <laughs> like in the end zone? Perfect. Yeah, it was just, I don't know if he actually did it. I mean, he, he ended up doing it because they got married later. But um, it was just like the most hilarious and, and awesome ending to that game. Um, so I'll, I'll preface by saying that. But that last drive was, was I, mean, I guess the only thing I really remember from that last drive is when we went for it on fourth down. And it was like we were driving, we were moving the ball pretty good, and then we got kind of stuck on third down. It was third and five, I think. We had an incompletion. And so we're kind of all jogging back to the huddle, and we, we get the call from the sideline, and it's a hurry-up play. We had a couple plays that were like when the, the call comes in from the sideline, it was just like one word, code word. We already knew what the play was, and it's just you sprint to the line, you run the play. And so Coach Anai, to his credit – just was totally prepared for the moment and it didn't allow anybody any time to think or process or realize how big of a play that was going to be in that game because fourth and five we don't convert there we lose the game and so the play was and I don't even remember the formation but I was just flexed out barely to the right side of the formation and I just had a five yard out and yeah there it is right there and so we sprint up to the line, we get the call, whatever. I can't remember what the code word was. I wish I, I remember it, but we, we all run to the line, no time to think. And it's just like, boom, that we snap the ball and I released. And, and the defense is kind of frozen by this a little bit because fourth and five, typically you're going to huddle, men even burn a timeout. They really want to kind of think about the scenario, go through what they're going to call. But boom, we ran that play and it kind of caught them off guard. I mean, a simple five yard out, I just kind of ran away from the middle linebacker that was kind of tucked in the box and Max put it right on me. I was able to turn up, get some extra yards, and I think I lost my helmet on the play at the end. <laughs> Fittingly. Well, that's every play. Fittingly. Yeah. So, um, and then a couple of plays after, I don't know if it was one or two, three plays after, um, McKay Jacobson, I was running like a little sit route on the goal line, and he had um, kind of a dig or kind of bent in around behind me and just got lost behind me in the defense, and, and Max hit him with it, and that was the game, so. Just like you look back at that game, that's the one play and kind of sequence that I really remember just in the moment when the biggest moment of our season, arguably the biggest moment of that game, um, you know, we were, we were just, you didn't have to think coach and I was, you know, it, it took some uh, real guts to, to make that call and, and it worked out. Dennis, outstanding uh, stuff, man. Great to catch up. Maybe with we'll you. have you on again at some point. Yeah, uh, definitely. I'll. I yeah, will. Maybe we'll get a haircut next time. It's a little long. <laughs> Look at that. Jackie Moon over here. But, yeah, some of us haven't had the luxury of our, having our personal barber come to our house like you, Jared, <laughs> shaving our part. Dennis, we didn't our uh, our whole quarantine lockdown. We did a hat show. It was awesome. Yes, we did. We we didn't get our hangout in Arizona earlier this month, but I promise you, at some I point, know. it's going to happen, man. It's going to happen. All right, let's make it happen. All right, brother. Great to catch up. Stay safe and healthy. Thanks, Dustin. All right, you too. Good to see you guys. <laughs> Dennis Pitt on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. He's one of the best. He is. People think I legit hate him. I love Dennis Pitt. He's awesome. You mean you love Dustin? I love. Well, I like Dustin more than Dennis. Let's okay. be honest. Okay. Okay, coming up, keep three. BYU Logos version. We showed it to you earlier. What do we like the most? And the best to ever wear number 16 at Brigham Young University. That's next on BYU Sports Nation. This has no shot against Jimmy. The best of BYUSN, perhaps featuring Dustin Pitta. 
airs Saturdays at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU Radio. It's on the podcast feed as well. It features some of the best conversations and interviews each week. We roll in on a Friday. Welcome back to Studio B. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Jimmer! Fredette's team Panathinaikos was named Greek League champions in a 13-1 vote. This is Fredette's first season championship. He averaged almost 13 points and three assists a game in Greek League play. Baseball. Inks a new high-level commitment from Cooper Vest, the Gatorade Player of the Year in Utah that makes eight consecutive Gatorade Players of the Year signed by BYU Baseball. Vest, a left-handed pitcher out of Dixie High School in St. George, won back-to-back state championships in 2017 and 18. He finished his senior season. The last game he pitched, 20 strikeouts on March 12th, and he bats 479. Not bad. Volleyball. Mickey Alhian in a BYU volleyball named to the 2020 Kosada Academic All District Men's at Large team yesterday. Finished with a 4.0 GPA in computer science. Swimming and diving. Junior swimmer Ryan Sorensen, Kosada Academic All District 8 at Large member. That announced yesterday. Sorensen, a biophysics major with a 3.94 GPA. He has the number two time in program history and the 100 breaststroke. Bring on the best to wear it. We've been asking this question each and every show as we look at the best athlete to wear each number at BYU. We started at zero. We are counting up through 99, and today we hit number 16. Ronnie Jenkins is the best to wear number 16. Blaine Fowler, a notable mention. J.C. Clayton of softball as well. Ronnie Jenkins, 96 to 98. Uh, Didn't play in 97, but he had 2,000 career rushing yards, 2,040. Um, 5.4 yards per carry, 24 rushing touchdowns in two years. Like, Ronnie Jenkins could have been the all-time leading rusher at BYU if Look he stays four. how fast he is. If he stays four years, he's probably the all-time leading rusher. I mean, this guy was awesome. When he was a freshman, he was the WAC freshman of the year. Um, here in 96, BYU dominated on the ground. He was a part of one of the best teams ever. He transfers to Northern Arizona. Didn't work out at BYU. He goes to the NFL. He has three kickoff return touchdowns and over 4,500 yards on kickoff returns in the NFL. Explosive, and he had a ton of swag in the late 90s. We had him in the studio in 2014 or 15. It was cool to catch up with yes, him. Yes, it was cool to have Ronnie Jenkins. It was great. He's still very soft-spoken, uh, very, very kind demeanor. He played loud. But he played like loud. Yes, Jamal, he Jamal Williams' um, career, Ronnie Jenkins was sort of this, one of the original sort of swaggy players where he's, it's the 90s, certainly culturally. Um, it's different than the 80s, right? And, and the music's different, and the, uh, the fashion's different. And Ronnie Jenkins comes in and injects a ton of, uh, of that culture and uh, great on-field play as a guy. And it, I had never thought of it until this moment. He's probably the all-time leading rusher if he stays all four years. Oh, man. He had 2,000 yards in the first two. Why wouldn't he have 2,000 more in the next two, right? He could have been the uh, all-time leading rusher. No question. He left his mark. The greatest to wear number 16, Ronnie Jenkins. He was part of that dynamic duo, Lightning and Thunder, with Ronnie Jenkins and Brian McKenzie. Speaking, um, speaking of transfers, yeah, Brian McKenzie. Brian McKenzie. Yep. High-level transfer. J.C. transfer. Bang. Made hey, an impact. There you go. You mentioned J.C. Clayton, a softball 2012 All-American. Four awesome. NCAA tournaments. Batted almost 400 for her career. Wild, but an incredibly versatile player. Scored 191 runs, third most in program history. 47 stolen bases. That's second most at BYU. <clears throat> at BYU, excuse You're getting me. emotional. Talking and about nine it. triples. Well, I can't tell you how much <laughs> I would give anything to call like a softball game or a I baseball game. Right now. Yes, for just a game. anything. J.C. Clayton, yeah. uh, our honorable mention. 
Uh, and Blaine Fowler, of course, our, our guy, number 16. He uh, throws the first pass on a live ESPN college football game. Leads Glenn Kozowski out a little bit. Glenn makes a great catch. Kind of an awkward celebration, but that's who Glenn is. I love Glenn. He almost tried to kiss me on this show. We talked about it. Let's go. We'll never know because he we'll went to break. He said, we're going to go to break so we can kiss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coming up, your favorite logos in BYU history. We're going to name our three. Yeah, which uh, three are we keeping? And what's the best? Let's take it next level, Jaron. Yeah, I got an answer. What's the best? I got an answer. This is BYU Sports Nation. And it doesn't include tan. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The BYU TV app is the place to watch recent and old BYU sports games. Get your BYU fix on the BYU TV app. It's free today. Welcome back to the show. We have been discussing you can only keep three BYU logos all time. We have put out nine, so it's time to make our picks. Jerem, of the nine that we have produced, and by the way, we already have over 100 responses on Twitter alone. This is a hot topic for sure, especially during uh, social distancing time. What are your three picks, Jerem? Two, three, six. So the Beat Digger, the Sailor Coog, and the Stretch Walk. Amen, amen, and amen. I agree. And the, Oh, awesome. And uh, the, the voting has been anonymous. I always love that. That's not correct. Number two is my favorite. That's the old school logo. That's when BYU was its best. So that's uh, number one. If you had to pick one as number the best. Number two is number one, Spencer. All right. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite? I'm with you. The Beat Digger. Because I grew up on it. Like, that. that's... This is... That's the logo. This is when I solidified my BYU fandom. That was the logo. That screams... So, and, and let's do this. Let's do this. When you look at each of the logos, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Okay, so number one, the tan... Garbage. Hot garbage. That's what comes to mind. <laughs> Number one for me, Gary Croton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two. Okay. Two is the 80s winning uh, amazing yeah. quarterbacks. Ty Detmer. Yeah. Number three, I think of the men's volleyball team. They use the Sailor Cougar a lot. See, that, the Sailor Cougar is not as uh, easy and definitive for me. Um, I would probably say. I like his little hat. Yeah. That's why late, it's the Sailor Cougar. Late 70s, Gifford Nielsen, Mark Wilson. Like, they use that. The Sailor Cook? I have no idea, but that's what comes to mind. <laughs> that's seriously. You, that's the truth. You know what we didn't include in here? I've been looking at a lot of Chris Machosich stuff. I tweeted out. There's this weird cougar logo. Yes. Like It looks very ferocious. It's like, it's it's like, like a, what cre- is it's like this? a creepy cougar yeah, logo. Creepy cougar. Exactly. <laughs> the creepy logo. Number four, I think of Bingham High School. Number four, I it, think of just disorganization. <laughs> My OCD okay. is going crazy right now with that logo. Number I, five, can't, I can't like it. Number five, I think of Yale. Uh-huh. I think of BYU Baseball. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They have they have a hat. Mm-hmm. Six is I think now. I think nowadays of, uh, just, yeah. it's on it's on our set. Like, Where it comes to mind is tradition. Tradition. Yes. Which okay. that logo was used a lot, like in the sixties. I think Virgil Carter wore that logo, mm. and then they brought it mm. back later. Seven is again hot garbage. <laughs> That's an alternative, <laughs> terrible logo from the tan days. A seven, I think of the word Y. Just Y. <laughs> the letter Y. Not the letter. Hey-o. The word oh. Y. Eight, I think of the Cougar Club. Was that the Cougar Club logo? Like, did they have their own logo? I don't know. I don't know the history on that one. Now, here's the thing. I used to be able to get pencils from the pencil dispenser in my elementary school, and the BYU pencil came out with that logo on it. So that's what I think of. Spencer. I like that. The BYU pencil from Clinton Elementary School. Ironically enough, mascot was the Cougars. The Clinton Cougars. Oh! Yeah. Nice. Yes. Okay, and then nine. Nine Nine is really unique. It's it's the it's the 
I had a flag. Yes. On the block Y? I had a flag with that logo on it that I hung in my room. And during the 96 season, no kidding, I was thinking about this yesterday. I would drive. Honey Jenkins, baby. After every game, I would drive and put two quarters in the newspaper dispenser up the street for me so I could cut out the newspaper clippings from every game of the 96 season and hang it next to my flag that's, with that's that logo. That's awesome, man. Okay? That's awesome. <laughs> so that's what I, I think of. Yeah, I, I, I think people adore the Beat Digger, generally, right? I think that is a it's beloved good memories. logo. It's good memories. I think it's the logo that people like the most, if I had to guess. Yeah, I love it. So we had a lot of 236 um, posts from the yes. opening segment, and... We agree. 236. 236. Okay, coming up, a rising shout-out to an all-time coach. Yeah, a combined effort there as uh, the NBA and the basketball world says goodbye to one of the greats. This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Show available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Yeah, that block white on a baseball helmet. And look, the B-digger on uh, Mark McCready's helmet that he... Give us from Afghanistan. That's pretty cool. Hey, download the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, yo. All right, our question of the day. We've been discussing logos. You can only keep three. What are your picks? Jeremy and I have combined for two, three, and six on the graphic that uh, we have produced the Beat Digger, the Sailor Coog, and the classic Stretch Y, which is the most noticeable That's and the recognizable current, primary, current logo. primary logo. Yeah. Yes. Our elite voice of the day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. Uh, fittingly, T. Nayren on Twitter has answered two, three, and six. There you go. There you go. And that's why it's elite, because he agrees with us. Exactly. <laughs> Eight and nine are my runners-up. They continue. Four is retro, but looks like a mess. Yes, my OCD goes crazy. Five looks like Yale. <laughs> Somebody please find a shovel, dig a deep hole, bury one and seven. <laughs> <laughs> then dig another hole and bury the shovel. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a shovel up here. We've got a shovel. We got from the Merritt Center Annex, uh, you know, groundbreaking. It literally, it's, does it still have dirt on it, or did someone clean it? I think someone cleaned it. Um, probably because of the situation that we're in. <laughs> Everything has been cleaned in here. Well, it had dirt. Tom Homo actually went and got that out of his car and just gave it, gave it to us. So, yeah. There it is, yeah. Um, th- there have been some amazing logos over time, and a lot of people have asked the question like, oh, why didn't the BYU just embrace royal blue fully? That's a multi-million dollar decision. It's not a, a thing you do easily, right? And it's made with Nike Corporation involved. Sure. Well, yeah. You, well, you tell them what your colors are, I bet, right? Like, a, they're not like, what do you do? Maybe they consult, but Nike doesn't tell them what they, to do, I imagine. Uh, but at BYU, officially, there are two primary colors. It's navy and it's royal. That's a, that's a thing. Uh, and Kalani Stocky loves royal. He's always wearing royal. I like the... I like, Royal uh, with Navy. I think that's something we're super comfortable with. But it's always been a challenge to get everyone in the same color at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I think that the past couple of years it's been better. Royal is it, easier. Well, all white's the easiest. White's amazing. I think white's the easiest to do. Yeah, the white out, the white out is but, amazing. But let me make this point. At Tennessee, they had those shirts made. Y'all, why? In Royal. In Royal. And it popped against yes. the orange yes. so much. It looked great. It was beautiful. This has me thinking about my favorite uniform combo and going back to 96, Beat Digger, all that stuff. I want that, that's the retro throwback uniform I want BYU to bring back. The white, specifically the white jerseys, royal blue bottoms, but the white with a little bit of black and like the drop shadow. They had a little bit. The drop shadow is like kind of old school. Oh. But yeah, yeah, as a retro uni, 
I completely agree. I, I think that'd be fun. I would love to see black incorporated more into the color scheme at times. Basketball wore black and beat New Mexico in the yeah. 90s. It was this amazing upset, now what, in my, 95 or 6? In my Instagram live conversation with Kalani Satake, he made a serious push for black. And it made me think. Ooh, okay. We the may black have, unis last couple we, years? We may have black coming into the fold very soon. I would, I would love that. I think that'd be awesome. Okay, today's Rise of Chatter, a combined effort. Uh, Gerald Eugene Sloan, otherwise known as Jerry Sloan, longtime coach of the Utah Jazz, uh, passed away. Um, he, he battled Parkinson's, uh, had a little bit of dementia. We've known for a few years that this was coming at some point. But uh, sad to see Jerry Sloan pass away. Spence, because uh, I, I grew up uh, you know, in Portland and moved to Utah. I became a jazz fan as well, and there were some amazing teams, and we saw how good those jazz teams were yeah. in the last dance, and now uh, Jerry Sloan is back. Yeah, as much as Carl Malone and John Stockton were at the forefront of those great jazz teams, Jerry Sloan's right there with them. I mean, the big three was Jerry Sloan. He was there the whole time. Carl Malone and John Stockton. 23 years as a jazz coach, 1,200 wins. I mean, he played for the Bulls as well. Original nicknames, the original Bull, Charlie Hustle. Love John Deere. Like, he was he was a farmer at heart. Yeah. Right? And Tough guy. Good old boy. Yes. At, he had a really dry sense of humor uh, that was fun. Um, and we saw that in the last dance His as well. jersey hangs in the rafters in Chicago, by the way. It does. And? Of all places. Yes, he did coach the Bulls for three years, by the way. Yeah. Little, little known fact. Average 14 and 7 as a player in the NBA. Jerry Sloan. What a legend. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. Out- outstanding. It was a, yeah, it was a fun run there. Um, and, and the Jazz, that was the heyday, right? It'll be hard to kind of top that. that two NBA Finals runs. What an, what an impact. Man. Uh, yeah, we'll miss him. We'll miss him for sure. Our thanks to today's guest, Dennis Pitta. Uh, sorry to you because we had time for Dennis Pitta. <laughs> I'd like to thank Dustin Pitta for joining us on the program. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I probably should have said Dustin Pitta. Yeah. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. A shout-out to a former number 16, Bob Biddy. Who's Bob Biddy? Defensive back, mid-70s. Oh, I love it. We'll see you on Monday for more BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs!